Okay, so welcome everybody to our unnamed podcast group. Uh, we don't have a name for this yet, so um, we'll figure it out later. This is our second and hopefully a long line of podcasts we're going to do for movies. Um, I'm your host and moderator, Arthur. Why don't I call out everybody else in the room uh, just to let, no, let our viewers uh, know who's uh, here. So, Hi, uh, I am Kai in the same room with Arthur here. Okay. I'm Nick. I'm also in the room here. Okay. On the phone. This is Ronald. Um, I'm on the phone today, broadcasting from Seattle. Okay. This is Dot. I'm on the phone. I'm broadcasting from Fremont. Great. And lastly, but not least, <laughs> and the least. best, the best one you've been waiting for. No, uh, I'm Anthony, and uh, I am broadcasting from my car. Okay, <laughs> great. A more right now. So great. So here, our podcast today, we're going to be talking about the latest Marvel Studios movie, not Marvel movie, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Uh, we all saw it. Uh, we're going to go through our thoughts and questions on it. I think I can probably guess overall our thoughts about it, but I think there's a lot of other things we can definitely discuss and questions we have. Uh, but before we get started, let me provide some really quick context about Guardians of the Galaxy. Who are, who are these guys? And even myself, as a, a comic book um, fan and, and what have you, definitely Marvel, I, even I had to kind of go back and do some history on these because these are actually really, really obscure characters. Uh, I've even had to bone up on them the past uh, few years in, in understanding who they are. They're, they're like definitely very niche, um, third string per se, not maybe not third string anymore, um, but definitely not very recognizable. So even folks who are, you know, very, very familiar with comics, a lot of them were very struggling to say, oh, who are these characters, right? Um, but the original Guardians of the Galaxy was a team that showed up actually in 1969. They were published in a book called Marvel Superheroes. And they were actually a totally different team than what we saw in the movie theater. They're actually uh, was a team of uh, five characters made up of different planets in the solar system. And they lived in the, the alternate universe in the 31st century fighting against these aliens called the Badoon uh, that have taken over the Earth. So very, very different um, from what we saw in the movie. Um, and over the years, they've showed up in other books, uh, such as The Avengers, uh, Fantastic Four, and, you know, they've been a, a fair Marvel mainstay over the years. Have they had their own book for these? Yep. So, good question there. So, in the 90s, they actually had their own book uh, called Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and it ran for a while. It was pretty successful, but those were totally different characters uh, than the movie we saw, with the exception of Yondu. So, in the movie, it was played by, I think, Michael Rourke from Walking Dead, right? Um, that was the only I might have, I might have the actor's name wrong, but the guy who had Michael, the, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, yes. Thank, thank Yondu, you, Anthony. Which one was Yondu? Uh, he was Yondu, the guy with the uh, the blue paint and the the tele whistle uh, arrow. Yeah, the, with the arrow, the telekinetic oh. arrow. Oh, right. okay, okay. Right. So there was a character in the original Guardians team called Yondu, but he's more of a spiritual archer, so a totally different character. Um, and I think maybe it's just a reusable name because um, there could be different Yondus. Um, but for the most part, the, the, the characters that you saw in Guardians, uh, the movie, very, very different than the ones um, from the original. Now, the movie version that we saw um, is actually based on the 2008 comic book of the same name. So that basically Marvel in 2008, they restarted the Guardians of the Galaxy book with new characters. So including the five characters, uh, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Groot, um, Gamora and um, Drax the Destroyer, there were actually other characters as part of that Guardians team. There was like additional five to six characters. So the roster was quite large, but Marvel was really smart to pick like, to keep the roster light um, and, you know, take some characters that are very recognizable, have a lot of potential to, to be hit, hitting it big. And as you know, 
uh, they hit it big in this movie. So, mm -hmm. you know, the team of five is actually based on the 2008 to 2011 comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so it's fairly recent, um, even though the character's been around for a while. Um, with that, um, why don't we kind of go around the room and have our personal opinion about uh, the movie, uh, what we thought was cool, maybe some cons, uh, or maybe this, just this, ask questions about it. I yes, say, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of like the chance that Marvel took Marvel okay. Studios took on uh, director James Gunn. I, I I seen I saw Super, one of his older movies, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a very low budget. James Gunn was like a low budget, like independent mm -hmm. movie filmmaker, and uh, they took a big risk by by choosing him. But they really knew like how who he was. Like he's very good comedy wise and comedy timing, and and um, yeah, they took a big risk giving him a whole bunch of money to do this movie, and I thought it was. Um, as you hear from my review, that I, I thought it was a great decision. What are some of his other movies? What, is, what else has he done? Uh, they're literally like B movies. One is called Super. Uh, it's with uh, the guy from The Office and Ellen Page about two superheroes um, that are just like regular people, and they become they decide to become superheroes. And wow. then the other one is uh, kind of like a B horror movie called Slither. Um, and it actually it's, it's about a whole bunch of like I don't know like worms like huge giant worms and it's like a horror movie and actually that slither animal is in the uh, one of the scenes in the uh, collector scene uh, the slither animal is in one of the cages which is kind of just like a, a nod to his movie mm -hmm. cool yeah but do you want to do you want to keep going uh if you have no, more no, no. no that was just, i thought it would just kind of be good to introduce um, you know james gunn because i thought uh there's a lot of talk about like the, the screenwriters, the screenplay was written by two people, Nicole Perlman and James Gunn. Nicole Perlman had the original draft. She went through, there's like a Marvel has a whole like training ground for writers and screenplays. And she did the first draft, but really James Gunn wrote the entire script. And they took like, maybe I heard like 20% of what she wrote and, and, and used it. So uh, I just, I think a lot of praise and respect should go to James Gunn. Cool. Okay. Oh, no hate. <laughs> no hate. Who is this guy that called in? <laughs> I know. Bring me the other guy. <laughs> hey, I'm all about like the underdog or the guy that nobody knows um, getting a big shot and doing something well with it. So it's it's funny because when you say underdog, I mean, the, the director is a bit of underdog, and it's, it's maybe a little bit of a meta or, or symbolic. I mean, this whole movie is very underdog, right? These characters are, like, totally underdog. The actors, too. I mean, actors are underdog, under the radar. I mean, their biggest actor, arguably, is probably Zoe Zaldana yeah. because, you know, she's been in a lot of, uh, you know, genre-type flicks. But the rest, well, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. Bradley Cooper, yeah. yeah. But they're like, they're not, yeah. they're not using them in right. The, they're, the, they are acting. I don't want to diminish their roles, but they're not like front and center, fate, you know, from a, a visual perspective. Um, but their whole, the whole movie is very underdog. Like these characters are totally underdog. They're not A-list characters. They're not even recognizable. Um, you know, you have, as comic fans, again, even unless you're reading cosmic stories or even aware of them. Some comic fans that I heard don't even know who these guys are. Yeah. So, yeah. Anybody else want to add to this um, before I add my thoughts to this? As the undergun piece, the underdog? Or anything in general. So I can kind of guess what our feedback will be, um, but I think we can have more discussion around what we thought about 
the movie overall, maybe questions we had. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Anybody want to start on this? Kai, did you have something that you want to share? Yeah. Um, I guess I would start with because the at least you know Nick can jump in here. The general criticism here, of course, is that because they're underdog, because they're fringe, it's up to Marvel to provide context. Mm-hmm. Important, right? Especially since we would kind of kind of assume that this would lead into the overall story arc that is tied together by Thanos, who right is the big villain here. Now, part of it, my question is, uh, it's a, it's a it's a, it's a brief foray into my experience with the comic book world, but um, for instance, when I look at characters like I'm going to criticize Drax and Gamora here, mm-hmm. Drax first. Drax is created to destroy Thanos. Right. That is his sole purpose. Right. That's why he was made. Yeah. Yes. That's why he was. He even exists as a okay. character. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't right. get that in this movie. Okay. So you're talking about like. I think I know where you're getting at. You're talking about deviations from the source material. Right. And okay. I'm fine with that, yeah. generally, because I don't like black and white lines. But I want to explore why they might do that, why they might paint this person as mm-hmm. this really platonic family man who right. lost someone to arguably an insignificant character, in this case Ronin, who gets escalated to Thanos. Okay. You know? Okay, so let me provide some context on that. So yeah. the original Drax the Destroyer was actually an a Earth Earth man, uh, and he he was driving on the road with his family and he was killed. Um, but there was a cosmic being in the Marvel universe and I'm I'm really doing a really quick and dirty message. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. getting convoluted, uh, resurrected uh, Drax uh, and resurrected that guy, um, mm-hmm. and he became Drax the Destroyer. Um, yeah. And he became that cosmic being's uh, Kronos was the cosmic being's name, yeah. I believe, Kronos, yeah. the god of time, to for the sole purpose of killing Thanos. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it was something, Michael Douglas or, or something Douglas um, mm-hmm. was his name, but he was this engine of destruction, and then, you know, that's his sole purpose, to kill Thanos. Mm-hmm. He's changed over the years. Um, the early part of the decade, they changed him again to be this more uh, a lean and mean assassin type. So that's what mm-hmm. Kai's referring to, because originally he was this big brute type yeah. character, cosmically powered. Um, you know, it was all about killing Thanos. Um, this new guy still is about killing Thanos, um, but definitely they changed a little bit in the movie, right? They said, oh, my family, my wife and daughter were killed. By Ronan. By Ronan. And... That may or may not be true. It could be a lie to me. It could have been true. something you played off. Maybe. Um, I don't mind that they said Ronan mm-hmm. killed him because it, it, it doesn't mean that he still doesn't want to kill Drag or it doesn't want to still kill Ben. No, because by so. at the end of the movie he does say transitively. Yeah. All Thanos' fault. Yeah, yeah, and it, exactly. Mm-hmm. So things like that, I'm not too worried about. I mean, they thought was kind of funny too because yeah. he was like, no, I got. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I'm really trying to kill Thanos. Exactly. So they may be playing it a little, because I think if they went with the original origin or close to it for Drax, it, it would be way too convoluted. Because, I mean, just me explaining it to you guys, yeah, you know, I feel kind of no, right. It makes, yeah. right. I, I agree that you, first of all, you have to pull in a cosmic being, maybe you have to yeah. pull in a context. Nuts. But on top of that, right, I'm part of me was a little underwhelmed when I had this idea of this character who mm-hmm. potentially has cosmic power who doesn't really demonstrate his abilities in this movie mm-hmm. and also kind of gets crushed pretty quickly by Ronan. Mm-hmm. Gets beat down. Uh, right? Yeah. And, and, and so even if it's not his character background that might lend to mm-hmm. what the original intention was, his strengths displayed in the movie don't convince me at all that he's mm-hmm. 
even a worthy member of the team. I'll say okay. this. I didn't like the beatdown, but from the, like, kind of ignorant mass, just the kind of fan going in. Going <laughs> ignorant <out> mass. <laughs> the view of that, I actually kind of like that they didn't go into, like, the, too much character yeah. development. Because not just for, not for comic book fans, but for people like myself. And I'll try to get... I had a hard time getting people to watch this movie with me because I was like really wanted to watch it because I look forward because of what you guys said. And then I was like trying to get people to watch it with me, and they're like, "I don't watch that crap." It's like raccoon, and like I was like, "Come on, it's gonna, it's supposed to be really good." Huh? So like they're already really skeptical, and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. to not go into all that story, just like to get into the action into the movie. I think that that was actually better. They did a really good job. They just kind of draw you in, mm-hmm, right. and then like instead of going to like. You know, if they had explained all this stuff about Drax, I might have got lost. Instead, they they make them human. They make them, like, kind of realistic characters, and then they're also funny. So they, they have a lot of humor. Right. Like, he's, like, he's that tragic story, but then he's also, like, he's that whole thing about how he can't take – he takes everything literally. Like, right. Like, right. Yeah, like, that was a new addition to me, actually. Oh, that yeah. That's that's fully new. That's not part of the character. Um, I think part of it is – and I, I might have mentioned this to Anthony. They're nerfing the – or another friend of mine where – they're nerfing the, 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 the powers a bit. Power creep? Uh, well, yeah, because I, and, and for those of you who are Star Trek fans, you know who you are, right? I think what they did with uh, Drax is they did a, a warf type thing, right? Because, you know, you have to show somebody else exactly. badass, too. So, you know, you, you know, Drax is supposed to be badass, but you yeah. have to show somebody else to be more of a badass by kicking his butt. So right. they use Ronan to do that, right? Because Ronan is really badass because he can kill Drax. He can mess up Drax, and that's, that's totally a, a warf thing, right? Because <laughs> warf is supposed to be a badass, and he is, but... You know, but I, you know, I think they did good by not getting too into story because then it would have yeah. would have lost because like if they try to make these characters too serious and too like if they get too much into it, I think they would have lost regular regular people. Yeah, right. I, I, I want to add that like I think this is essentially w- w- was an Avengers movie with with no introduction before then, and that to me it is really difficult to do. And I, I feel like they did it well enough, mm-hmm. um, you know, because. There's five people that nobody knows about. There's no backstory. And they did it all just using words. I mean, they didn't really show history. They, I mean, they did, I guess, Star Lord a little bit. Yep. But to do it in a two-hour, you know, not making it like a four-hour epic movie, like, I thought it, it, it was done as well as could be. Like, Dude, I mean, I'm going to throw this out be. there. I'm going to throw this out there, but Avengers could have done without – the Thor, the Captain America movies, they could have got in. <laughs> they could have got away with just the Avengers, I think. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not that, I don't mind them making it, but they could have got away with well, it. Well, so, so there's a, there is a point to this, actually, and I, and I think there's some trend now where there's some news about Doctor Strange, potentially a movie, where they're not going to talk about the origin much, right? Because all the superhero movies, they feel like they have to do an origin movie. And it's like, you don't really need to, per se, right? Why do we have to? You know, like when you watch any other kind of movie, when I watch Die Hard, I don't know John McClane. You just get right into it. You just kind of know he's a cop, right? And he's had some trouble with his wife, and uh, he's just in this ordinary guy in extraordinary situations. That's all. You really need to know. You watch the original Star Wars. I don't need a movie on Han Solo to know that he's sort of like a, a regular dude, right? So, I mean, that's what I mean. Not exactly. Like the Thor movies and Captain America, we kind of know who they are already. I mean, I think, it's, of course, it's like money. You know, they want to extend sure. the series. Right. That, that makes sense. It's just that they could have got away with just like, because like the guy or they just come out with Captain America, Hulk, and Thor. Like we have a basic understanding kind of who they are. But right. let me let me bring it back now, right, to the fact that I, I agree that when when you do something that's a more like base human characters, right, you can get away with with a lot of non-origin things. Um, but when we're in the superhero realm, sometimes um, if you do it too much, 
you lose your distinctions, you lose your characteristics in terms of identifying between superheroes. Okay. Because you don't you, you don't want to lose yourself instead of saying, oh, well, isn't Thor Captain America? Because you know, I it's you the same type of character. Right. This guy's oh. super strong, and wait, he's super strong, so what's the difference? Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I agree here that, yes, I don't need this origin background to be done for context. You can show me how this person's different. Yeah. Now, in terms of the show me part of the show and tell, when I look at the Guardians of the Galaxy when it was presented in this movie, I have Star-Lord, who can be the quirky character, but, you know, is emotionally damaged. Yep. But he's, he's like a, he's a tactician. Right, I'm gonna. I can just say he used his weapons cleverly. Um, mm -hmm. I can look at Rocket Raccoon as like the engineer, right? right? The, the weapon specialist slash engineer. Right. I can see Groot as kind of the um, the side guy, Big right? Guy. Who, who can definitely yeah. who would definitely come up to rise to the occasion in creative ways, being the species that he is. Mm -hmm. I can look at Gamora as I can even take it at face value what she said. She's a trained weapon and a assassin. And she demonstrates that in her battle with Nebula. Yeah. But when I go and look at Drax, what does he bring to the table in that movie that tells me he's something than just a big brute who, for some reason, has it in for Ronin with some, you know, just even Raccoon calls it in the movie. Everyone has lost someone before. It's not a new story. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? That's fair point. So my criticism well, what's goes, special about him? Though, yeah. what's special right. about, what's about him? Right. Especially since we didn't give him origin or okay. context. I see what you mean. So, in other words, if you took Drax out of the movie, would it have been as effective? Yeah. What, okay. did we, what did we lose if we lost Drax? I think they would have lost some of the characters, like, because those characters playing off of each other. Right. Definitely. Maybe a little uh, bit. The com but the is the comedy? Enough, comedy. Is it enough to have hurt the movie drastically? I don't know. Okay. That's a fair point. And, and I think with the power thing, before I forget, mm -hmm. um, I think they're trying to balance out the whole power because the Nova Corps, right, being led by Glenn Close, um, and the Nova Corps are kind of like um, – the, the Marvel version of the Green Lantern Corps, in right, a sense. Right. They're always compared yeah. to in the Marvel Universe. None of them were super-powered at all, right? No. In the original Marvel comics, those guys are super-powered, you mm -hmm. know, flight, super-strength, energy projection, blah, blah, blah. But in the movie, they're just like regular cops in uniform, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if those guys had powers, then the whole balance of the movie would be thrown off. So I think a part of that is they're just... Right, it's crazy. Yeah, they're trying to, mm -hmm. you know... That's how, that's how I feel about the, the base foundation. Yeah, that's how I feel about Drax because it, you know if he was totally superpowered or something, then it, it would probably be off the rails. Right. So um, I agree yeah. in the sense that he shouldn't have been overpowered. No. 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 Not, no. Right? He shouldn't have been overpowered or cosmically powered, but he needs to be uniquely powered. Yeah. And that's where it lost. Okay. Oh, that's a fair like, point. I actually thought he was like super strong, and I thought he is. Until like that scene, and I was like, well, he is. He just, I mean, it doesn't mean that he can't be beat, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So he, I felt like definitively. Well, yeah. Ronan has yeah. Ronan actually has fighting skill, so mm -hmm. that's the difference, right? You can beat people stronger than you if you have proper skill, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, at least I believe so. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, how about folks well, on the phone? Was that Kai making the comment about? Yeah. That? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was telling Arthur that. Uh, it's okay for me to not be there because I don't have a lot of beef with the movie, which is rare for me. <laughs> but, but you know, when you say that, it, it, I did do a little bit of reading on backgrounds to see who the original characters were. And, and, you know, I think you're right because it ends up being that Groot, to some degree, is more muscle than Drax is, right? Mm -hmm. However, um, I have read comments about who Drax eventually becomes relative to Thanos and sort of standing toe-to-toe okay. -to -toe and trading punches. It very well could be 
that they decided to unconvolute a story for, you know, the ignorant masses like Nick there yeah. and <laughs> build his story up to the Thanos story. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly. And, and that would be good and make some relevant, but I, you know, I had never really thought about it. I do think you're right. He's to some degree irrelevant at that point. And why would he think he can go up against Thanos when he got his ass beat by, um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Sure. True. Yeah. These are all yeah. fair points. I, he I, literally I, became just a guy to hold, go help hold the gun and clear the way so that they could get the real work done. <laughs> right? That's so, true. Yeah. It's, it's I, a good point. I think it's a fact a good point. I know we spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. But, you know, when you talk about balancing a movie, he seems like an imbalanced addition to the team unless they make him relevant in the future movies. Yeah, very good. I, I agree. Never, I never considered it. Yeah, and I have no beef in the movie either. I liked everything about this movie. And right. I kind of agree with that, but then still, if they removed, like, without him, if they removed him now, I'd miss him because I liked his character in the movie. Like, his character brought a lot of, like, you know, yeah, I don't argue that. The comedy, the comedy factor comedy, alone yeah. was hilarious. And and five was a good number, I think, whereas four might have been just too small. Maybe. And mm-hmm. six might have been pushing well, it for, the number, of for the number of their, their, their core team, right? Exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. That, but... I think I can sense that overall we feel like the movie was just amazing. That yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's. That, I'm definitely coming in with that premise. Right? I did really like the movie. This is just like me um, nitpicking, but also expecting hopefully an answer to Drax in the next coming movies. Right. Because I was a little underwhelmed. Maybe his role is kind of conflict. Like you know, there's conflict between Gamora and uh, Pratt, and there's conflict between Raccoon, Ra- Raccoon and the. And Root, they really don't have anyone to have conflict with. Cause right. they're, they're doing their own thing, so maybe that's his role, kind of like. Well, I don't know, right? Well, well that's, everybody has. I mean, that's not a real role, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like, everybody has something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. How about the other guys on the phone? Uh, I'm with Nick. I feel like uh, Root and Raccoon didn't really have beef with anything. Matter of fact, if I had one complaint about the movie, that was kind of mine. Was was, although I think they tried, I didn't really buy into the idea that Groot or or Rocket had any reason to stay there or didn't really even feel them building a bond with everybody else, you know? Uh, it, it, it was to the point where, you know, they get to the end and everybody's more or less what might seem like throwing away their life to help take on the burden of the energy. But I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel the journey enough to believe that these kinds of people would actually do that. Gamora, maybe. Gamora, maybe. But right. not Rocket and Groot and, and Drax. I kind of like that, too, because they didn't get corny. They're, they were there for the money, and then they were there for because it was kind of survival, right? Yeah. They, they, well, they think everything was going to wipe out. They're like, let's do this, or yeah. we'll die. So. Yeah. Well, like, That's kind of characters they are. They're kind of like scoundrelly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. They're, scoundrelly. They're, 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 they're literally moral. Little. <laughs> So I can I can kind of buy, and I'm actually a little bit of a reverse. I actually couldn't buy into Gamora's sudden change of heart if I'm to accept the Guardians of the Galaxy at the beginning of me finding out Gamora as a character. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, you don't have context, right? But you, you're told that she's the daughter of Thanos. Which, then, by, which by the way, is, it has been changed from continuity. She's... Um, Right. Actually, no, she is the daughter of Thanos. Uh, adopted daughter. Yeah, adopted daughter. Yeah. Right, and then she gets an opportunity to go pursue this Infinity Gem. Mm-hmm. We don't know whether she knows that's an Infinity Gem yet at the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. but she takes that immediately as an opportunity to betray Thanos. Yeah. 
I thought that and was pretty so, nice. Yeah, that was, I would agree with that. That was very abrupt. Like, yeah, and uh, we're just out of nowhere. We're supposed to accept that, yep, yeah, I'm betraying Thanos. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially yeah. if we're supposed to take the context that she's been killing millions of people for Thanos. Yeah. You know? Yep. Agreed. I, I would agree with that. That seemed really fast to me, and I'm like, okay, they just need to kind of keep going. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, fine, right? Because yeah. obviously we all know as an audience yeah. that they're the guardians of the galaxy. Right. But if you're if you're trying to convince me, you're doing a poor job. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go to the rocket and the group part of it, I think they were doing okay, even uh, all the way to the point where Gamora calls out the what the the four million dollar uh, prize for the Infinity Gem, right? Because that convinced me that yes, uh, Rocket and group as mercenaries would hold on to that, and then. Between that, you're supposed to hopefully find some sort of connection with Groot and Raccoon to the team, mm-hmm. whereas the money suddenly the, no longer becomes the bounty. It's their friendship that becomes the bounty. Okay. And they do a good enough job to set up the friendship as the bounty? Maybe. That's up to debate. Okay. But that, and that's what I'm debating. I feel like the friendship, although, you know, you could literally pick out the moment that it was supposed to happen yeah. and intended it, I, I just didn't feel like it was enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I can agree, I agree, especially if Raccoon's supposed to look like this really well-versed mercenary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The ignorant masses appreciate that. They're like, come on, let's just move the story along. <laughs> <laughs> let's move it along. Okay, you guys are friends now? Let's go. Let's get to the fun part. And the, yeah. That's kind of what they did. Right, right. Like, and, we're not going to... And I don't... I, I think the points are definitely very valid. I mean, they... You know, I just think given... The, the complexity and scale and the huge risk they have to do, mm-hmm. it, it's like, okay, I can either try to appease that and yeah, try to yeah, fix yeah. those, or I can just go on. And obviously, I think they made the better choice because, you know, aside from maybe Thor and Avengers, this is probably their most riskiest movie that they've had to make, right? right? right I mean, right. very, very risky. You're not us- you're using really, really obscure characters. You're doing science fiction, which already you know, shuts a lot of people out because a lot of people just aren't into sci-fi. But, period, yeah. you know, period. Like, they don't dislike sci-fi. They just can't get into it, right? It's very hard. Uh, but when I watched it uh, on the weekend, I remember the long lines, and I was like, wow, there are families here with moms and daughters and sons and fathers and grandparents. I mean, everybody, not just, like, the typical people you would see. Oh, he's a science fiction fan. You saw a very neat cross-section of people who to go see this movie, which I thought was amazing. That's and it's not just uh, sci-fi. They try to do like comedy sci-fi. Yeah, so it's unheard of that um, you know a movie like this can can bring so many people together, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they made the right choice in having to. Okay, we're going to have to let this one slide because you know we we can't this can't be the extended cut or something like that. Mm-hmm. It would bog things down. Um, well, any other any other comments? Yeah, yeah oh, I was going to say relative to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. Oh, no, no, I was just, we haven't heard from Ron. I kind of want to hear what he, he says. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ronald? Ronald? You know, his video's frozen. He might be gone. He's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. If he's not there, too bad. Oh, I see him. He's there. He's moving. See, he's moving now. He's asleep. Yeah. Ronald? He's muted in his sleep. <laughs> Ronald, Sorry yeah. about that. I had another phone call. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> another phone call. <laughs> okay. We want to hear from you. Um, so where where in the discussion did we, we just leave off there? What, what's the question here? No question. Uh, just give us your thoughts, maybe. Overall? Well, yeah. I, I think, you know, 
I'm, I'm a lot like uh, the ignorant masses here in the sense that, in the sense that I don't have much background into these characters. So um, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, you know, the, the tone of this movie is completely different from the other Marvel movies that we've seen, right? Uh, Iron Man has gotten progressively darker. Captain America has gotten progressively darker. Uh, all, all these movies have just gotten darker and darker. And all of a sudden, we see this movie here that's lighthearted, playing, you know, 80s rock music. Uh, and I just thought, what the heck's going on here? But I was really pleasantly su surprised at how well this tone works, um, worked, at least worked for this set of characters. Um, and I think it's only because of um, just how well, I, I think this movie was really, you know, carried uh, by Chris Pratt and yeah. his performance um, as Star-Lord, right? Um, but I, I think, you know, without him, it probably would not have, the tone of this movie would not have worked um, with this kind of material. Because, I mean, the material in and of itself, it's, it's not that funny, right? Uh, but I think they really nailed the comedic timing and the, the, you know, the, the balance between, um, yes, this, you know, this galactic being that's incredibly powerful is trying to, you know, destroy them, and yet they're able to crack a joke. And uh, so I felt like that balance was was really excellent. Cool. But I do agree that, um, you know. It was missing some some background into the characters um, a little bit, and people's minds were changed. I guess a little bit too quickly. I mean, th there was that one scene where um, you know where they were all sitting around in a circle, and you know start and they were all kind of beaten down and expecting to you know to get caught and, and die pretty soon, um, but you know they. We just kind of watch them uh, change their perspective and be willing to die for the greater good of, you know, the galaxy. And I think that moment of character development probably made up for a lot of the lack of character development in the rest of the, at least what I felt was a lack of character development in the rest of the rest of the movie. But I, yeah, I kind of wished that they showed more um, stuff about, you know, Drax's background or, you know. Uh, Rocket's background, uh, or even Groot's background. Yeah. Anthony? Uh, we're just talking about just our, our kind of overall thoughts, right? Right. Um, I, overall, I thought the movie was, was really, it was done really well. Like Ronald was saying, the tone was really different from like just the intro scene of Chris Pratt dancing and holding up the whatever alien is singing into it and and then the title coming up it felt like an 80s adventure movie like a space adventure movie and i thought that was like i was already i just i am you know like right away when i when i saw that um i thought the things that they did well were being like i said before also this being a team up movie i thought he did a, a really good job um of getting people to know the characters in a short amount of time without going too deep in their background. Um, I also thought that um, most of the action pieces were like funny, like the jailbreak scene was, I, I thought it was, it was pretty great. Um, when, when Rocket Raccoon's like, here's the plan, and then all of a sudden uh, you see Groot in the background, like, you know, <laughs> what did he do? He breaks, 
What did he do? He broke like a switch or he, he took the, the switch down or something. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but I just thought it was pretty funny. Like, uh, just the way he, yeah, the, the, like just how he did that. And, um, what else did I like? I think the emotional part was really impressive to me. Like, I don't really like get like emotional. I don't really like care about characters that much, but there were times where I was like, oh man, I'm actually, I actually care about these guys. Like, you know, this is a, yeah, I don't know. They're like, you know, the, the beginning moment and um, kind of towards the the middle. Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm going to piss some people off. Um, uh, the the hater yeah. is shedding a tear or something. It's about the haunted, I guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, sorry. So, okay, the, to my favorite part now. The, the, my favorite part is when I don't like the movie. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> There was a couple of main areas. I thought there were really missed opportunities. Thanos, what the hell? That fool is whack in the movie. Like, he's so weak. He's like, what? Thanos is just so weak. He's just like, he does nothing. He's just listening, there listening to Ronan. Like, and like, Ronan's just like bitching at him. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll just sit here. I'll just yeah. be doing sitting in a chair. Like, why didn't they show him being evil or something? Like, they should have shown somebody? him like, no, or like killing a planet in the background or something. Like, there's a chance there that he could have done something. But all he does is just sit in his throne and is like, eh, you say I'm I don't want Ronan talk. Huh? You say I'm dark, bro? <laughs> you want him destroying a planet in the background? I know. Something like, you know. to me, to me right now, Thanos doesn't seem like he's evil at all. He doesn't seem like he's strong. He just seems like a guy who's lazy. He's sitting in his chair listening. <laughs> Whatever, like, okay. I like him. Well, you just, just just right now. Almost made me drop my beer. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I didn't like. Uh, I also didn't like um, how Novacore was like, they didn't explain anything about Novacore. We're just supposed to jump in and think they're like, oh, they're just an alien planet of humans. They're just, they're a starship fleet, right? Or what is it? Um, Starfleet? It looked like just Starfleet. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Starship <laughs> Academy. Like, like, Starfleet Academy. It's like, okay, they're just some regular people who dress in white and they're nice and clean and that was it. Like, but in reality, there's a lot more, like, underneath them and how, like, the planet is powered and, and uh, all their technology. And it was just, I don't know, we just didn't, I, I didn't feel like they had enough about that. Um, and then... I think my last beef is with Ronan. We talked about this. I think Kai talked about it. Ronan, I just feel like he, it's weird because I thought the, the actor Lee paced it really well. Like, I was like, this guy's kind of scary. He's big. He's yeah. menacing. Um, I actually kind of thought he was a little bit scarier than, than uh, Thanos. And, and so, yeah, I thought he did that part. But, again, there's no, like, motivation. He's just a, I want to kill Novacore and and – uh, the whole people, like, there's no, there's no, I don't know, there's no background on why, like, he's just pure, I don't know, they, like, this race of people. They alluded to it prior, that it's like a political thing. It's a, yeah, I think. It, it, that's so, like, they alluded to it, but so, like, minimally. It, it just, it felt <laughs> as, almost as bad as, I mean, at least in Thor 2, they have, they, they, they show a little bit about Malekith and why, and even then, I thought it, Malekith was not, like, a greatly, like, developed villain, but this one was just like, okay, 
he's bad and he just doesn't like these people and he wants this infinity stone. Okay. You know, I so, think. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's kind of like what I said before, but for like basic fans or ignorant math fans like us, it's kind of good that they didn't get into it. You know, it's already hard enough to buy the premise. There's like raccoon and tree and all that. And just getting into the fun <laughs> part is good. And, and, say it that way, and, okay. and they, they kind of glossed over these other parts, but it's good because like they went for these like kind of like typical stereotype characters. There's a big bad guy. I get it. Yep. Yeah, he's got a beef with them. They destroyed his people, whatever. Okay, I got it. Oh, that's fine. Move on. I didn't need to get deeper into that. There's a planet full of, like, humanoids. They're weak. They need help. Good. I got that. That's fine. Move on to the next part. I, and I appreciate that, actually. I'm glad that, because if they got into all that stuff, I'd be like, Dude, I don't need more, I don't need them to get into that stuff, but I would like, and this is, and this is historically a thing that Marvel does, too. It's like, they kind of, their villains aren't very strong like you know name a good villain is loki i guess yeah he's he's a strong villain but the rest of them are kind of uh i you know they're i don't know i think i think it's because you know we've seen this before and i wish they would have done a little bit more with him because i thought he was a really cool villain um i just didn't know his yeah no, that might come from because I don't know anything about the villain. So there's probably stuff I don't appreciate, like I, something I, I don't know. Up, like I don't know about it, so I'm like, okay. That's I think fine. they're saving Thanos for later. Um, yeah. for sure. they're, they're saving him because. But, uh, but I'm saying that because there's a. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I, here's ahead. a chance, though. Like this is the opportunity to do something small to make it seem like he to build him up a little bit. You know, like we saw him at the end of Avengers. It was a great, you know, end cut scene. He smiles. Okay, this guy's he he he's like he's happy about death, right? And now this is the second time he's been back on screen, and you don't really see anything develop. No, nothing like oh he could be evil or that kind of plays off that he was you know happy about death. So again, I, it's not like it's bad, but I just think uh, big missed opportunity. Well, actually, I will disagree with that because. Second, this is only his second appearance, so I actually thought, I was actually impressed, like, wow, they actually had him do some speaking parts. Was he in Thanos, the guy in the chair. Was he in Avengers? Uh, yeah, at the very end, the end credit scene, where, you know, one of his minions says, hey, you know, you don't want to invade Earth because you you'll be courting death. And he turns around and smiles. And that's actually a nod to the character because he worships death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not it's not to be taken, like, uh, symbolically. It's, like, it's literal to him. <laughs> um, but hey, hey, correction. He doesn't worship death. He's sleeping with her. Uh, yeah, in, in a sense. <laughs> he wants, he wants, yeah, in a sense, he wants, He loves the embodiment of death, and he wants uh-huh. to be with death. He, he doesn't he's, – he's all about death in that sense. It's, it's a weird relationship. Uh, I was confusing with the guy at the end of it. Yeah, but <laughs> – but I mean, I agree, disagree with uh, with Anthony on this because I think as a second appearance, they actually showed him a little bit more, which I'm like, oh wow, they actually showed him with some talking scenes, mm-hmm. explaining some stuff, and we and we gave we got enough that okay, before it's just a grin, so you don't really count that as a major appearance. This is the first time he actually kind of shows up. Okay, now next time though, I will agree that if he doesn't do something, you know, significant the, the third time, whatever the movie that'll be, then you're really missing out. Um, but he is a yep. character you have to use very strategically because he's kind of like the Joker. If you if you use him too much, you, you water him down, mm. and he becomes very uh, insignificant. And he's he's not a black and white character at all. He's very – and I forgot to send it to you guys later. I will send it. Um, it's a quick video of 101 about who Thanos is. He's a very, very complex character, and 
very few writers have written him very, very well, uh, relatively speaking, because uh, he's not black and white. He's not about power and conquest. He does things for the sake of certain, doing certain things for his own reasons. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's not so black and white evil or good with him. So he's definitely a very multidimensional character that you really have to save. So that's what I, my impression was they're saving him because you don't want to expose him too much in this movie and overpower the Guardians. So, he, so I, I mean, I feel like he couldn't, I mean, if they didn't put him in there, it wouldn't have been that much of a difference. Like, they put him in there as, like, the overarching, you know, big bad guy. But, he's the master behind the, you know, well, I think they need him to explain the whole Infinity Jam thing. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they put him in the Infinity Jam thing as, like, the overarching part of the same universe. But, I mean, if it was another big bad guy, like, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Probably. So. I would agree with that. I just think they need him to connect, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so everybody thinks he'll show up in Avengers 3. I'm thinking the more I think about it, Marvel will probably pull a, a different thing and do something unexpected. Like, oh, well, we're not going to put him in Avengers 3. We're going to put him in something else. Who's mm-hmm. in Avengers 2? Uh, no, he's not going to Avengers oh, 2. Who's, in, who's a bad guy? Um, Ultron. Um, yeah, sentient robot we can get into later on, uh, played by James Spader. Um, but, yeah, so that was that's my thoughts on that. Anything else, Anthony? Sorry? Uh, nope. I will. I guess we're doing our ratings at the end. So, yeah, I'll, I'll provide my thoughts. You did Don have anything else, or? Um, I'll make a few comments. So, I'll keep really, really short. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more or less an ignorant mass as well. I mean, I went into it not knowing who any of these characters <laughs> were. Never read a single comic. Had no idea where or what they came from or, or, or anything. And I went into it basically saying, you know, Marvel, they had, they had said in interviews some of their, you know, their top brass, like Kevin Feige would say things like, you know, comic books, we can do anything we want. We can do espionage. We can do fantasy. We can do sci-fi. And I really saw this as their foray into the sci-fi world and not knowing any of the background, not even knowing anything about Nova Corps or anything like that. I basically said, well, let's see how Marvel does a sci-fi movie, right? And so with me sitting here talking about it, I'm basically criticizing it if I have a criticism at all um, as, as um, a movie, right? I, I don't even really care that it was a Marvel movie other than I want to see how they connected to the larger universe. But, you know, everybody had said that Guardians of the Galaxy is how Marvel gets into outer space. And, you know, sure enough, there they are in outer space, right? But they still tied it back to the Earth, so it's relevant to us as people living on Earth, and then the greater Marvel Universe that we know today. Now, you know, that being said, you know, I did think that it was, you know, an enjoyable movie. I didn't love it, but I thought it was good, right? And the complaints I have are really minor, and I've often said, you know, plot holes, you know, really aren't what what going to see a movie about. I think what you want to do when you go see a movie is to enjoy it so much that even if you saw plot holes, you don't find yourself spending much time trying to find them or or um, overanalyzing them. You just take it for what it was and enjoy the experience. And, you know, to a large degree, this was that kind of movie where I enjoyed what I watched, and if I wanted to find something that, that I could criticize or, or sort of um, beat on, it, it would take a bit of work, you know, and, and that's, that's more or less it. Cool. Okay. Good point. And it's, it's amazing how now if you go out and, you know, go to stores and stuff like that, it's like, wow, you know, a Rocket and, and Groot are, like, huge now. I mean, Halloween and Christmas, <laughs> I mean, 
a lot of kids are going to be wanting to dress up as Star Lord or Groot or Rock. They're going to be buying toys. And I was mentioning this to Dot. And I mentioned this to Ronald before too. And it's like, gosh, you know, Marvel has now done. It's amazing. They've done and presented obscure characters, a tree and a talking raccoon. And DC cannot do the decent movie with their main primary icons, right? I mean, Man of Steel is sort of okay at best, you know, or, or good, but it wasn't spectacular. You know, they can't do Wonder Woman. And, you know, Batman was very good, I think, the, the past uh, two, the first two. I, I was okay with the third. But it's like, my goodness, right? It just shows, like... As the a, way they present, they presented yeah. it so well. They, did, they didn't take themselves seriously, but yeah. the characters weren't, like, shallow. The characters were right. like, deep, but they, like... That's, I think that's why they did it so well. Yeah, and, and that's just, that kind of thing just kills me. Like, oh, come on, you know, DC Warner Brothers, step it up, please. Show me that you have, like, a plan or at least communicate that you guys have a vision or a plan. You know, Batman was the only one, I think, but, like, Superman. Yeah, I mean, you have a talking tree in Raccoon. You don't have an excuse not to be able to do another movie on, on a major icon or character. Come on now, right? I mean, Marvel has basically said, look, we can make a movie about anybody, anything now. <laughs> You know, they've and they basically are. If you look at their timeline and the movies they're going to re- release for the next, you know, 10, 20 years, they're they're pulling everything. They're not even necessarily poking into your mainstream characters. They're pulling from anybody they think they want to, right? Yep. Uh, they basically said we can do it. And and Arthur, I know you had told me you made a good point to me, you know, in some of our older conversations where. In a way, it doesn't really matter how mainstream or well-known the character is. The fact of the matter is that as long as you do it right, any character can be done well. And and I think Marvel Studios is more or less proving it. So far, yeah. Yeah. But there's a big risk, I think, in this, because, like, I've definitely won over it. And, of course, I go see it because, like, you guys talk about it, and you guys build it up for me. <laughs> but, like, I, honestly, for, like, regular people, I was, like, trying to get people to watch with me, and it was really hard. They're like, I'm not going to watch this through the tree and interact with it. And I was like... Come on, let's go Street on. Raccoon, I just love that now. But, I mean, they did it so well. And I know that those people that, you know, I was trying to get, if they watch it, they would really like it. Because yeah. it's just like you said, it's a good entertaining movie overall. It's quality entertainment. Did your wife watch it? No. She didn't. <laughs> <laughs> when they came back and I was telling them, they're like, come on, man. I was like, no, it's good. It's like, really good. And, uh, I don't know. It's, but it's risky, right? Like, totally. movies like this to kind of just, because they'll go and watch if DC makes, like, a Wonder Woman, they'll go watch it just because, like, oh, it's Wonder Woman. Yeah. But when it's, like, these weird characters like this, they're like, oh. Yeah, why would I want to watch Talking Tree? <laughs> they do it really well, and I think they build, they, they build credibility with me, at least, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's what they're trying to do with, like, you know, the whole, their studio is, is to know that whenever they put out a movie, it's going to be quality, and you should watch it. And I, and I think they're doing really well. I mean, they, uh, the last, I don't know, couple of movies, three, four movies, really good, and and uh, Avengers 2 is coming out next, and and I really hope Ant-Man's going to be good. I'm, I'm a little worried about that one, but I agree know, there. kind of like, when Marvel comes out, you should expect a level of, you know, fun, and, and a, you know, a good solid of fun that you're going to have. I think it will be, because Paul Rudd's like that type of character, type of actor as well. Right. He's very much like Chris Pratt. Like, well, they've had some production issues and casting issues with that, that movie. Like, the, their lead director left, um, and some other who people... Who I love. <laughs> What's that? I said, their lead director, who I, I love, and I love... The saddest movie news for me this year was him 
not being on it anymore because he worked on it for about 10 years. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he put on it. So. so that one was worrisome because of all those uh, creative things going behind the scenes, right? So not necessarily, I think, the concept per se, but it's like all the, the stuff before. So that one, I think, is, and I, I'll agree with Anthony on this one, that's worrisome because it's like I hope that doesn't break their streak because they haven't had a failure of a movie yet, right? Every movie has been either good or great, right? Nothing has been an outright disaster per se. I mean, I, certain movies I, I like but definitely better than others, but none of them, I would say, have been like bombs, right? Uh, wait, 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 hold on. What about, what about, what about The Hulk, the first one? Iron Man 2. I, I don't think they were bombs. I, I think they were bombs. Maybe they made money. Yeah, I think they were underappreciated. I mean, I guess when I think of failures, I think like Green Lantern or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get critical. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they didn't maybe get a level of um, acclaim, but I don't think, you know, I think they did respectable, yeah, right? right? Good. Right. All right, all right. So. Hulk was a really quick reboot. Yeah, yeah, they rebooted that really quick. Um, so, so far, I, I mean, to me, I'd rather be, and I'm glad they're doing this, you know, being very, you know, slow and steady wins the race, right? Uh, being very consistent. And it's okay. You don't have to necessarily be great, great, spectacular, but you actually have a, a good movie. Uh, you know, my friend and I, you know, when we go into these superhero movies, we think as long as it doesn't suck, then we're okay. Because, you know, sucking causes a lot of problems for you down the road. Yeah, you know. That shouldn't be the bar. Because then you're just going to watch it as a superhero movie, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, right now I think we're, we're okay with that level, right? Because I think Marvel or at least a lot of companies have proven that now. But if you have something that's new coming out, then definitely you can't suck because that just throws everything else off, right? I mean, I went in hoping that Green Lantern wouldn't suck because mm -hmm. um, that would have led to other things. Unfortunately, it was disappointing to me because it could have been so much better. Um, but that's a, diff that's a different story. I, I won't get into that. But, um, but, yeah, with Marvel, I feel like – and one thing I do want to mention is that their way of planning things in terms of – you know, when, if you're reading all the stuff late, lately, and I know we probably should end another uh, 10 minutes because we started off late, but, um, you know, the fans keep asking them, why don't you do this movie on this character and that character and this character? And I like the fact that the president of Marvel, uh, Kevin Feige, he's kind of keeping it close to his best because obviously he has, mm -hmm. he has to protect things behind the scenes. But uh, the gist of it, what he says, which I'm impressed with, is that, you know, we have a broader overall story to tell. And where it makes sense that we do a movie on a character or bring them in, we'll do that. But we don't want to just do a movie to pander to the masses or saying, okay, well, we need a, a minority character. We need a, a you know, more diverse character for the sake of, because a lot of people are chiming in, well, you got to do this character now. you got to do that character. It's like, no, you know, we have a plan, and we're marching on a plan, and we have a broader story to tell. That's more important than trying to appease everybody's, you know, individual. Too, but they made a bunch of Iron Man. Well, I mean, but they needed to build their world first, right? You need a base. Because right now, you know, this is, what, their 10th movie? So they, now, they have now earned the right to, you know, take more risk and do other things. But I'm glad that they don't, you know, just do stuff willy-nilly and appease. And that's what I feel like Warner's DC is, feels like. They don't feel, I don't feel like they have a plan. They say they do, and it, it, it's sort of there, but I don't feel like they have a, a singular vision, per se, or a direction. And I think I, was yeah. gonna say, I think the other issue with Warner's and DC is that Warner Brothers is running the movies. Like, Marvel, yeah. the company, is actually running the movies, but the, the DC movies, Warner Brothers is actually running as a movie studio yeah. themselves. So it's not like the DC guys are running it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it's, all their movies tend to be run by, it, it feels like run by executives. Right. And, and they're dictating, like, oh, well, you need to do this and this and that. And, and it's like the director's job to sort of, like, 
force fit their stuff into their vision. Probably they don't have any credibility yet, right? Because yeah, Marvel. Is, wait, is the original Hulk one with Eric Bana was that? No, that was that, that was the licensed. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, I don't think Marvel Studios existed back then because that was like 2001 or something, 2000. So they, they, there was no talk about a studio at that time. I mean, Marvel actually almost went bankrupt during that time. <laughs> uh, they were they were like on his last legs. So they, they were farming out their, their properties uh, to, to get cash, basically. Was X-Men their first? Um, Blade, actually, 1997, you know. Wesley Snipes? Yeah, that's a, that's a Marvel character, you know, a third-tier character. Um, you know, that's a character that's, that's a Marvel character, but it can also fit into supernatural or an action. So you can you can sort of go different ways. But I think X-Men 1 really started to, you know, start the path again. Because after Batman and Robin 97, nobody wanted to touch superheroes at all, right? Because uh-huh. that was a disaster. They built it until it just sucked. Yeah, I mean, that was a disaster. And then you saw no really good superhero movies. Blade can be arguably a little bit, right? I, I think, in, in my opinion, X-Men 1 started that again, and then when 2002 came out with Spider-Man, which was a huge blockbuster, that really solidified, okay, we're back now. We can now do blockbusters, you know, comic book movies, because the audience is willing to accept that once again. They don't want to stop Spider-Man, right? Uh, no, they they, sold, they gave that Sony. Sony, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, when Spider-Man 2, 1 came out, right, that was huge. I mean, that was, I remember, that was bigger than Star Wars at the time, so, yeah. But anyway, getting a little off topic, any final thoughts? Or questions or things about um, guardians in general, um, questions or, or you know, or we can always uh, amend this or talk about other stuff later on, like the plot of the movie or the Infinity Gem thing or, or whatever. I have one thought, one comment. I think uh, you know I mentioned it before, but like not getting into this. they use a lot of the archetypal like the typical bad guy, typical planet in need. Right. But I think one of the big elements that made the movie okay was the humor, because like humor kind of you could forgive all, you know, if you. True. If you make if you make them laugh, it kind of makes everything else like okay. That's why it's like I didn't mind that the rest of the characters are kind of shallow. Like, was, and they mix it with art, with a you know, really good action. Right. Absolutely. Folks on the phone. Yeah, I think um, Marvel does that well in general, Nick. I think that's what really sets them aside from um, you know the Batman movies or any DC property that they've got out there. They they understand and sort of have good taste about a sense of humor. And what's considered balanced? What's too dark? What's too light? Does it need to be, um, you know, lightened in there? They 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 do that really well. Yep. It's almost like um, it, it's almost like they understand storytelling yeah. without falling into the same rut that almost every other Hollywood big name picture falls into, um, with having to be too much of a that. So uh, you know, to me, Marvel Studios is, is basically balanced. They understand balance. Yep. Anthony I do. I, I, I was gonna say like I, I kind of don't like. <laughs> I feel like the last like three movies have like the same ending almost, where like the bad guy comes in a big ship and it crashes in <laughs> to a planet, and, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they end the movie somewhere on that, right? Like last three movies, I, I think there's the same kind of ending, but um, I feel like they gotta they're gonna have to figure out this whole. Infinity Gem thing, like we've had three of them already, I think, and every movie is just about we got to get the stone. It's really powerful. I don't know what it does, but it's powerful, right? I don't even know which each of the things are yet. Like, <laughs> is that a big um, thing? They're gonna, you know what? 
I didn't even realize that until yeah. right now. I didn't. I yeah. I kind of even forgot the Infinity Gem thing until like I didn't know. Was that a part of other movies too? Oh yes. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's a big story. It's huge. We as uh, ignorant fans did. I kind of. We just kind of let that go. That, that's a huge thing. Hmm. We can have yeah, another so, podcast about the Infinity Stones if we good want. To know, good to know. Yeah, we could. But yeah, I think like they're gonna at some point they're gonna have to explain what this all means. I mean, I know what it means, but like like Nick said, like he didn't realize it was all part of like some bigger thing. Yeah, they didn't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what they're gonna do, but I just feel like you have to somehow tell the story a little bit differently. It's not always about chasing a stone or a guy getting the, trying to get a stone and then, and then somebody trying to save the world from it, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah, but you know that thing? I think for people like Nick, who don't have a lot of background in that, when mm-hmm. Marvel finally brings it all together, it's going to be a treat. Because what, what, what's really good about the way they're doing it is there is this, you know, the MacGuffin of all the stories that drive why the stories move forward and what the the need in the movie is, but they're not all making them look like the same thing. So for, for those who don't recognize that they're all leading up to one big thing, it's going to be neat for those who are yeah. And they'll be, oh my God, they're all super tying together. It's going to be like Christmas, right? Yep. You, yeah. my mind, I, I didn't realize so now. My mind, I'm kind of blown away right now. I didn't know there that. Be, it'll, be, it'll be rewarding for all of us when it all comes. Yeah. Thanks for spoiling yeah. for me, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to stay ignorant. Right. Uh, one random thing I, I was thinking about too when I was watching it. So when the collector's uh, whatever his his uh, his collection ace or whatever gets blown up, like they're all chasing after that one infinity gem, right? But like, isn't the ether out now too? <laughs> like the whole place is yep. blown up. Like yep. it should be somewhere gone. But I heard an interview that uh, Kevin Feige's Kevin Feige said um, he, the collector probably has different bases, and uh, he probably stole that one somewhere else. So I don't know. I was just kind of interesting thing. Oh, this is the, the scene at the end of Thor two, blew it all up, and that that ether must be somewhere here, right? But yeah, I don't know. Just random. Right. One yeah. one thing I will um, bring up that I that actually I thought particularly as a fan of the recent series that I liked it was an Easter egg. Is if you guys don't know. Uh, that dog in that movie that you saw wearing the astronaut outfit, yeah, right? yeah. that is actually a character from the, the recent Guardians of the Galaxy book. He's Cosmo the dog. The Russian one, right? Yeah, the Russian dog. He actually can telepathically talk, and he runs the whole station of nowhere, of, of nowhere, that the whole severed uh, celestial head. So when I saw him on screen, I was like, this is cool, man, Cosmo the dog, the, the, you know, the Russian telepathic dog. So um, they, they introduced these little Easter egg characters, and I thought it was cool. But... Um, but yeah, that yeah, I was, was waiting a, for him to. I was waiting for him to talk, maybe yep. or you know something. There's a chance he would talk at the end, but he didn't. Yeah, exactly. He was just a dog, I think, or they didn't allude to him talking. But to me, that was really cool. But specifically, but yeah. but anyway, um, any any other kind of final thoughts or questions? Um, I guess time for final review. Okay, final review. Um, I'll start in the room, Kai. Uh, just what a four nine out of. Were we using one out of ten? One to ten? Or or, or yeah. okay. one out of one Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna give it a nine out of ten. Um reasons because um I'm still open to see where they go. My biggest grievances are with Gamora and Drax. Okay. And Fair also point. the um the Infinity Gem. I I wasn't particularly convinced of the way that it portrayed it. Okay. 
position. I'm okay with the plot, plot being fairly flat because it gave way to general character development for a fairly fringe um, IP. So you, know, you can't win everywhere, but for the path that they took, which was character context and plot context, uh, I'm holding out for a Gamora track. Okay. Fair point. Nick, ignorant masses. Ignorant masses. I I think I'd give it. I want to say ten just to drive Anthony crazy. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Got I give it. it. No, I give it a. I I say eight point five. I almost want to give it a nine. I think it played itself for what kind of movie it is. Like super well. Like it did. I don't mind like the kind of glossing over the plot points or whatever. And uh, I think you know the music was really good. They they the the actors like Chris Pratt they played it really well and, and yep. had a lot of good. From end to end, it was just sheer entertainment. It's one of those movies I can watch again and be just as entertained watching it, watching it over. And uh, sure. yeah, yeah I, I think an overall oh, okay. really solid movie. For me, at least, it was really good. Cool. So on the phone, uh, maybe Ronald? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to say same as Nick. It's the 8.5 for me for slightly different reasons. Um, I mean, like I said, the, the, the tone of this movie is just perfect. And... Um, I think it's amazing that it's eventually going to tie back into this much darker, you know, um, more gritty uh, Marvel universe that's been set up, you know, by the Avengers and, and Captain America and whatnot. I, I really wish that they did allude more to that universe. You know, I, I, I wish there was like some sort of – I was really hoping that the closing scene, that the, uh, you know, the, the, the end credit scene was going to be – you know, Captain America or Iron Man in there, and I heard I heard Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to make an appearance uh, an appearance in there, and it's unfortunate that it didn't happen. Um, I I really wanted to see some sort of you know Easter egg that connected this movie back to uh, yeah, yeah. the other Marvel movies that we've seen. But other than that, those are minor minor glitches or, or minor minor complaints. Overall, this movie was a lot of fun, really really um, good action and emotional. Uh, you know, uh, scenes in there as well. Great. Thank you. Anthony? Um, I want to make one more complaint. Give it a 6.5. Give it a 4. No. My, my other complaint is uh, Zoe Saldana as Gamora. I feel like she's kind of playing the same character as she always does. Like, From Avatar? Star Trek. She's Avatar. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. Yeah, it's the same character though. She's like Star a tough girl yeah. who's a badass. Like same thing as a horror. Same thing as like Colombiana. I, I have a. I mean, and I thought this would have been good. Is um, Olivia Wilde was supposed to play Gamora uh, originally, but it didn't work out. I guess or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was just a little bit, a little tired of her same character. Anyway, Olivia Wilde. Oh. oh. I don't know about what? that. I don't know. Play. I thought she, what? she might be too soft for Gamora. Play what? Gamora? Oh. She might be too She's soft. Gamora's a tough character. Yeah. I don't okay. know. Anyways, uh, final review. So, I, when I review movies, movies, like, I review them, like, uh, from a I place of anger? Are, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I hope they're not to be I go into watch every watching every movie hoping it's going to be a masterpiece. So when I review them, like I I just really have high expectations. Well, I don't have high expectations. I just I want every movie to be good in all areas. 
I thought Guardians of the Galaxy did a lot of great things for how complex it is and um, the character development um, and, and you know, the banter between each other I thought was great. Um, I, I told you what I didn't, didn't like about it, but I would say um, that it's my favorite movie of the year. I give it a, like Nick and Ronald, I give it an 8.5. Um, I put that on par with Captain America 2. I think, I don't know, I can't say which one is better. I think they're two, just two total separate types of movies. Um, and good, they have each of you know, their own you know, good, good things about them. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I cannot wait until, you know, the Guardians talk to the Avengers and they probably fight each other or I don't know. I, I just feel like it would be really fun. Um, and like I said, kind of at the beginning, like I'm really happy James Gunn, uh, did this movie. He did it really well. He, he he's very grateful. He said, you know, he said he, he wrote a long Facebook message thanking all the fans for watching it and, um, that, this was the first week, first weekend he was out. He, he said he was already back in the house, at his house, uh, writing the draft, uh, screenplay for the next one, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So, you know, this guy's like totally invested in these characters and the story. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie, had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. That's it. All right, eight point five. Eight point five from Anthony is like wow. twelve from me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hey, that's Right. So, um, uh, I I am looking at it just as a movie, not even a Marvel movie, and uh, I think I more or less have said everything that I I could think of that I would even go with the conversation about. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'd probably give it a, a 7.6, which is a little bit higher than I gave Captain America, because I think in terms of sheer entertainment value for a sci-fi movie versus an espionage movie, I thought it did, you know, a slightly better job. But I did still find myself um, um, not not as, as um, entertained as I wanted to be by a Marvel property, right, or a sci-fi movie. If I compare it against other great sci-fi movies that I really like, you know, it's good on a different level, but not one of the things that I would say would go down in, in one of my great or, or all-time favorite sci-fi movies. And for that reason, you know, as an expression of an art of movie making, 7.6, but definitely a well-done movie, definitely deserves all the accolades and ratings and reviews on the higher end. Um, but for me as a person, I, I, I put it um, still as good, not great. Hmm. Wow. And you said higher than Cap 2? I do. I'd agree with that. Yep. What? I, I do. And I love espionage movies. Uh, it's just that, um, you know, the entertainment value of and the tightness of the storytelling in um, The Guardians, I thought, was a lot more sort of popcorn, fun, entertaining than okay. with Captain America. We haven't done it yet, right? Yeah, we'll do that later. Oh, yeah, well, you know, just a real quick comment. The whole, it's going to target and kill everybody who thinks they're smart and a threat, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's, in a moment, it's going to just fire bullets and kill all those people. You know, the fallout from that would just be, so there's certain plot things that I just think um, are, are crazy in Captain America that, that bring it down for me. But in this one, I can buy into just about everything they've got with very minor complaints. 
Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. So I guess my rating, um, I'm not going to repeat every, what everybody else said because it's more or less the same. I will say, I will agree with Ronald about the, the end credit scene. I was hoping that the end credit scene would be more of like yeah. a, a preview of what's next versus, uh, or a teaser or something versus uh, an inside joke, right? Because that, that end credit thing was definitely an inside joke. Other than, yeah, other than that, I, you know, I really, really, really liked the movie a lot. I wouldn't say I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to devalue the movie at all. I think it's an amazing achievement for what it did. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love and enjoy it for that. But I would still rate it as an 8.5. I really, really, really liked it. I didn't, like, go out of the theater like, oh, man, this is so awesome. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. But I would definitely pick it up as, as part of my library for sure. And I, I wouldn't mind watching it over and over again either. Um, but if I had to pick one, I, I definitely would, you know, pick Captain America 2 because I thought that was a freaking amazing movie. Um, you know, you and we can get into that guy to these. And we can come, we, you know, that's a different movie, different style and all that. But I thought, you know, that movie was just amazing. Um, yeah. And this movie was also amazing. But if I had to pick one, I would say Cap was like awesome. I, I, I wanted to see it again when I walked out. This one, I do want to see it again, but maybe not as much. That's not to say the movie's not bad, uh, not good, or, or what have you. So I would still say 8.5. Um, my, my opinion may change on that, but um, still, great movie. So take it for what it's worth. Right on. Okay. Any other final thoughts and, and questions or things like that? No, that makes sense because I think for me, that, you know what I forgot to mention? Is it's that it's got everything that audience members like me want. It's like darkness of character, a lot of action, humor, morally flawed, yeah. and entertaining, <laughs> with comedy. It's got, that's why I think it's I like it. Enjoy movie. It's, yeah, it's got all that mixture, you know? And crazy characters. It's a definitely a Nick Choi movie. Yep. And the okay. music was great. So go ahead. <laughs> so I was just saying, um, based on all the things that Nick was saying, it's actually kind of biblical, right? You know, no, no, they pick, not only do they pick flawed characters for a lot of the Bible stories, but they pick um, severely flawed characters who become very significant in the grander scheme of history in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And and I'll and I'll send that video that little quick video I thought it was really good it was an introduction to who Thanos is and that also explains a lot of the whole Infinity Gem and death thing so I thought that video was great and kind of and it's a short four or five minute video it was really well done like ah okay I get it now um, so I'll send that out if you guys are interested in reading about this latest incarnation of Guardians I actually have that whole twenty five issue run and trade paperback um, it's getting a lot of attention now so those are you have no actual comic books uh, paperback books. So I have them in, in four books because uh, they were originally published in um, in individual issues, and then I bought the four paperbacks that collect them all. I would be interested. And, and they're now reprinting them in, in ultimate collections again, bounding them in two volumes instead of four. But since I already own them in four volumes, then I'll just keep that. But I think those are out of print because they weren't really like heavily, you know, they were a cult classic the past few years. But now with the whole attention, it's like, wow, this is cool. There's a galactic Watchmen. Yeah. Oh well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Watchmen is very very dark. This is not even close. Okay. But if you guys are interested, I'll be happy to um, lend those books to you guys to read. So anyway, um, why don't we end it here, and we'll do a we'll we'll just um, meet again later on for something else. Yep. Right All right. Cool. Thank you, everybody. Team. Thank you, guys. Have a great Bye one. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. I'm trying to see who has a video on. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm committed.